It's the May DCM podcast. My name is Tom and this month I travelled to beautiful Ambleside in the Lake District in the north of England for the UK Cinema Association's Northern Branch meeting. And while there, I sat down for a chat with Dan Ellis, founder of Jam Jar Cinema in Whitley Bay. We chat about what makes Jam Jar special, the challenges of running a cinema in the northeast of England and what Dan thinks will be the biggest film of 2023. So stay tuned for that. But before we get to our chat, a quick update on the cinema marketplace. At the time of recording, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 has been in cinemas for three weekends and to date has delivered over two and a half million DCM admissions. We've got Film Monitor audience data through for the first week of the film and it's delivered over nine 1634 TVRs across the industry. Talking of 1634 TVRs, the Super Mario Brothers movie has now been in cinemas for seven weeks and in that time has delivered a huge 5 million DCM admissions. That makes it one of the biggest animated films in years. And that equates to over 12 1634 TVRs across the industry. FastX has just opened and has already delivered 500,000 DCM admissions in its first three days, with plenty more to come with half term next week. Coming up in June, we have the highly anticipated sequel to one of the most beloved animated films of the 21st century, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Then a week later, Transformers return in Rise of the Beasts on the 8th of June. DC Comics' The Flash races into cinemas on the 15th of June, and if early word is to be believed, is one of the best comic book films in years. Jennifer Lawrence returns to the big screen on the 23rd of June in the comedy No Hard Feelings, and on the same day, Wes Anderson is back with Asteroid City, with arguably the best cast of 2023 certainly the biggest cast of 2023 then at the end of the month one of the greatest of all cinema heroes returns in indiana jones and the dial of destiny july sees new films from pixar tom cruise greta gerwig and christopher nolan what a summer we have in store it's also worth mentioning the 2023 dcm awards have launched now in the seventh year in partnership with campaign the awards showcase the best strategic use of the cinema medium and work created by the media industry the ceremony takes place at BAFTA on Wednesday the 20th September and we'll talk more about this next month but if you have worked on any campaigns that you think should be competing for the prizes please go to our website. So that's enough from me let's go to my chat with Dan Ellis. So I'm now joined by Dan Ellis who runs the Jam Jar Cinema in Whitley Bay. Dan how are you? Really really good to be honest with you Tom. Good that's great. Now the first thing I need to ask you is why is the cinema called Jam Jar? Um, it was originally going to be called Film Central and I went and gave a whole presentation to some funders and like finance people about this and they all went that's a rubbish name and driving back through Whitley Bay um, there's quite a rough part of town where my dad grew up and he said you know what back in the 1930s uh, when when uh, the northeast was all poor and it was all miners and like building ships you used to be able to get into that cinema there with a jam jar so we researched this, and at the time, you, they had kind of value in the glassware. So you used to be able to get into the pictures on a Saturday morning with a jam jar, and the cinema manager would take that back and get the money. Um, then in like the 70s and 80s, it was like the kind of the, the bar pop bottles, where you used to pay like 20p for the glass pop bottle. I'm not sure if that everywhere had it. We had the pop man. And um, then it kind of faded out as plastics came into life. Um, and it's really interesting. So we thought, the northeast is one of the first places to do this it spread across kind of the cinema industry uh working class areas manchester sheffield glasgow where it was known as julie jar cinema and then um so we kind of the earliest we found was in a little uh, town called churton which is now part of north shields a couple of mile away from us so we thought if we're going to open a cinema let's call it that and everyone went yeah it's a much better name so it's kind of stuck so tell us a little bit about your cinema and how you came to be the founder. 
Yeah, so uh, I'm actually from a theatre background, um, and I was working uh, up the theatre down the like, road from where we are now, and the number of people who came in and went, do you not show films here anymore? The theatre was refurbished in 2009, opened 2010, just as the dawn of digital came in. It used to always be a traditional 35 mil second run house, and they ripped all the equipment out in the refurb and never put any digital stuff in. So, but Whitley Bay is a typical British seaside resort. We get a really booming seaside visitor trade in the summer. We then would have lots of people coming at this theatre and go, well, why don't you show films anymore? So that kind of gave me the idea of, is there a way to set up a cinema in the town? Fortunately, in one respect, we used to be a stag and hen town. So it was a lot of people coming and um, drinking heavily for a weekend, having a lot of fun and then going home. Uh, with the last financial crash, a lot of those properties and businesses went bust. So there were a lot of big empty places available. It was so bad, we actually ended up getting uh, the, the old job centre. And we took this building on, converted it into a th- originally a one screen, and now it's a three screen venue. Small scale, uh, 29 seats, a 36 seat and a 47 seat screen. Lounge bar, a couple of bars in there. Uh, we don't do kind of a cafe offering because we want people to go and uh, kind of spread the love around the town and go to other people's restaurants as well. And yeah, so full time, uh, doing really well. We play an on-date program, predominantly of kind of British independent, some crossover titles as well. What's your core audience? Do you have a specific demographic or is it everyone? Everyone would like to say that they're in that kind of four quadrant movie place. We definitely are not. (laughs) Um, I think if you ever looked at our comparables, we'll put it this way, our number one film of all time is The Duke. Our second film of all time has just become Harold Fry, followed by Top Gun. So they're big Jim Broadbent fans. Huge Jim Broadbent fans. He's in our part of the world. (laughs) But yeah, we we do skew old. Alleluia has been a real hit for us. Anything based on a book does really well where we are. Um, so you're well read. Yeah, that, the Northeast very well read. <laughs> or it's that they couldn't be bothered to read the book and they've just decided to watch the film instead. Yeah, we, we kind of over-index in a lot of kind of where the crawdads uh, sing last year. We did insane numbers on. So these are all the films my mum likes. Yeah, that's so I would say our core demographic is, um, I'll be polite and say 45 to 60, Tom. <laughs> What do you think is unique about your cinema? So I think the two things that make us unique is that we are a warm hug, not a corporate handshake. We were the first thing in our town to really regenerate the place. Um, It was a really sad town when we opened, so there's a lot of love in the place. The second is that we operate in the social enterprise sphere. That's a hard one to say. We operate in the social enterprise... Nope. (laughs) (laughs) The social enterprise Enterprise circle. Circle, yeah. (laughs) We operate in the social enterprise circle um, and a lot of our profit and money um, we give away to really good things. So recently we did a screening of To Leslie, uh, Andrea Riesborough from Newcastle. Um, we ended up running it for a week and a half. It did that well for us. And because of the themes of the film, it was 1200 quid profit that we gave to local food banks and kind of real kind of hard reaching charities. We also have a really innovative pricing structure. Yes, so let's talk about that. You have a pay-as-much-as-you-want ticket price. Ish. In some screenings. All screenings. All screenings, okay. So um, we think it's really unfair that the traditional model of a full-price ticket, and actually you're a student, so you should pay less, 
you're old, so you should play, pay less. You're a kid, so you should pay less. Well, actually, you could be a really rich student or you could be a really rich older person with a whopping pension. Or likewise, you could be a working family who's really, really struggling. So in 2019, we did away with all traditional pricing and age-based and vocation-based pricing. And we now have a discounted price of 750 it's nine quid, which includes a 150 towards running the scheme and a 1050 top price ticket, which is a three pound. But everyone can pay 750. Some people pay 1050. Some people pay nine pound. Some people will pay nine pound and then pay 750 for a kid. We introduced it and thought we're going to lose absolute hand over fist. We're going to lose money here. And within a month, our average ticket price went up by 37p. So what we've done is then ring fence that extra money above and beyond where we think would be in a kind of a repairs and renewal fund and then also kind of a charitable project fund as well. So it sounds like you've got quite a good business head, Dan. So was your background purely in theatre prior to cinema? Did you run any business prior to this? Um, I'm a field actor by trading um, and uh, head between, uh, tail between my legs. I came back up to the northeast and did a master's in business. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was, I always wanted to go into law. And the whole thing was that um, we don't need lawyers arguing for the arts. We needed some people who might be able to kind of make it sustainable. Again, it was 2010. It was a grim time, but actually a really good time to start a business as well. Whitley Bay, isn't that where Dire Straits are from? Um, yes, well, yes-ish. They, they sing about the Tunnel of Love, which used to be in our old theme park. Um, Brian Johnson is from there, from ACDC as well. Because Local Hero is getting a 40th anniversary re-release. It, it absolutely is. And I did wonder if, are you going to be showing that? We, we, we've sold out, we're, we're on a play a day, we've sold out the entire week so far. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's... Because that uh, is an incredible film. It is. Um, it's very, very quotable as well. And if you aren't aware, Local Hero is a Bill Forsyth film set in Scotland, but Mark Knopfler does the soundtrack. He does. Yes, and it's got very iconic soundtrack, I think. It does. Uh, Newcastle United come out to it. Yes, they do, don't they? Yeah, yeah Local Hero. Yeah, check it out. It's, uh, when's it coming out? 19th. 19th of May. Yeah, so that's to probably around the time this podcast comes out. So um, if you haven't seen it, don't miss Local Hero. So your cinema, Jam Jar, you've been running it, what, 14 years now then? Is it 13 years? Um, we opened, well, we, we set the company in 2012, took about a year of development work, and then with all, we opened in September 2013. And there has been news today, hot off the press, that you might be getting involved in a second cinema in the northeast. There is. Uh, we've been awarded a contract to run a new flag- flagship site up in Blythe. Okay, and will that be similar to Jamjo? It will, but um, much larger in scale. Um, it's going to be a three-screener again, 120, probably an 80 and a 60-seat kind of, we might take the 60 down in kind of more of like a reclinery 40-seater type venue. It'll also have a studio theatre attached to it, um, a space for kind of wedding celebrations and events. And a really exciting bit of it is that there's going to be kind of free and subsidised like early years provision within the building as well. Okay, so this is big news. It's a massive investment, yeah. So um, how are you feeling about it? Nervous, to be honest, um, but it's really exciting. Um, it's one of the biggest investments in the arts within the kind of northeast within the last 10 years there there are challenges a lot of sites are struggling at the moment i think uh, energy and wages are a major consideration and the ticket price doesn't tend to go up significantly with cinema does it so that you're still working with the same amount of income a lot of the time there are, that, that is very much the case the other big thing is that um 
that we already have a reputation for ripping people off on concessions and snacks. So it's about making the cinema... The cinema, the cinema industry as a whole, not jammed off. Not us, no, actually, yeah. to, be fair, to be fair, we're uh, one-pound bags of sweets, you know, like the price-marked ones. Uh, gone up to one-pound 25 with inflation. People are kicking off in the northeast. East, <laughs> let us tell you. But no, the, um, there is this perception that cinemas are really expensive night out. But actually, compared to going to, the rest, to a restaurant or compared to going to a theatre, it's actually a really affordable experience. It's a huge footfall driver. Um, we're estimating that they'll, the site in Blythe's probably going to do about 70,000 admissions a year, 200,000 footfall. That's a lot of people going into a town centre that struggled over the last decade. So hopefully that's going to kind of really boost traders and kind of retailers and bars and eateries in Blythe itself. So the, it's a brand new build. They're building it on the marketplace. It's kind of a real kind of flagship um, stake in the ground. Um, hoping to be open winter 2024. Exciting times. And that's it's worth pointing out as well is that during the times where obviously finances are tight, cinema's price doesn't tend to go up. You know, everything else is going up at the moment. And cinema tends to, the average ticket price I think went up 18p in 2022. Yeah, um, it's significantly below inflation. Um, also, if you kind of backtrack to the last financial crash, the creative arts were one of the few industries that grew. I think it grew over 6% a year uh, between 2008 and 2011. I think it's a really good time to actually put some groundworks in. And I think the mistake is to try and shut up shop. It's actually about being bold and trying to find new ways to do something that, let's face it, is a 100-year-old industry. And do you think there's much scope for development for cinema in the northeast? Oh, hugely so. Um, we are the most underscreened um, area in the, basically the UK. You go to kind of most key cities, there's probably a boutique, a multiplex, an independent within kind of a mile of each other. Many key cities have three or four cinemas on the same street. There are a number of towns still that are underserved, uh, large towns, and there are some really good operators doing things in a really um, interesting way in these places where a lot of the other larger multiplex changes aren't interested. It doesn't fit their model. So I think there's huge potential and it's a really exciting time in the Northeast. So first up, Willie Bay, then Blythe, and then who knows where next? Who knows? So you've always you've spoken a bit about the films that play well with your audience. Do you have to do much audience development? Are you trying to get younger audiences in or is this just who's in the town? Um, we used to do a lot of audience development work and it always used to fail. Um, our research basically told us that where we are, cinema was part of the day out. So it was um, people going into, wanting the multiplex experience, going and having a film, then going for food. And then um, whereas independent cinema struggles with that a little bit, um, we're also not anonymous. We greet everyone by name. So that kind of buying on a kiosk on a wall and disappearing into a crowd is in our experience so you're a very visible presence in the cinema yeah we, we we literally meet every single person that comes through the building and that's just kind of part of our model that doesn't suit everyone i think it's particularly unpopular with younger people but equally that is incredibly popular with people who might be lonely or isolated who a lot of the time we're the only people that they get to speak to on a day-to-day -day basis we've got small screens it's not hard to fill 27 so if we've got something that we don't, uh, we're going to take a chance on, we'll put it in our smallest screen and we know that we're we'll wiping our face on it. I think the kind of the model, the PLF model, I absolutely detest. Um, I think it's one of the biggest fallacies in cinema. Um, 
I don't know what the statistic is now, but it used to be that most multiplexes ran at 16% occupancy. Just rip out your screens, make them smaller. A lot of the good chains are doing that and upping their experience with bigger investment in a um, better projection, comfier seats. It's about giving audience members like more for less, basically. And that's the only way that we're going to survive as an industry. So are you playing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 at the moment? We are. It's doing really well. Okay, good. And so it, not as well as Harold Fry, though? Not as well as Harold Fry, no. Okay. Um, have you watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? I did. Uh, I went in and we were close for the coronation. So I uh, opened up, had a little cheeky screening with Stephen, who's on the board. Uh, had a few beers to toast to his majesty and uh, laughed. I loved it. It was really good, actually. It is a good film, isn't it? Like I, th- the, I came out of it feeling gen- genuinely satisfied. It was a... Fun, exciting, two and a half hour romp. I cried a lot. Yes, it, it's very sad. This <laughs> it one, it isn't very it? much is. Um, but it's the MCU back to form. I think basically phase four of the MCU needs just to be forgotten. And I'm really excited to see what happens and th- what, what develops next. So, your audience, as you've said, is older. I, th- I know a lot of cinemas around the country are perhaps get, having a bit more of a challenge getting older audiences back into cinemas what do you think people and cinemas can do to get more older people to return to the cinema um simple things make people feel welcome make people feel valued communicate with people in a way that they find uh easy and convenient invest in your website make sure that your booking experience is really easy make sure that um we let people know when buses are coming for when they're, they're leaving. We make really clear, clearly signpost local um, car parking. Those are really big things. Clean toilets, affordability, and as I say, a friendly welcome every time. So these are simple things that cinemas can be doing, aren't they, as well? But so many don't. Yeah. The, it's the simple things that I think a lot of people have forgotten. And um, in this drive over the last five or ten years to cut staff to automate, which I think has been hastened on somewhat by the, the pandemic, we're losing that. So I think kind of the more traditional experience is something that's going to really kind of flourish in the next kind of five to ten years. So how important is cinema advertising to running a cinema like Jam Jar? It's a big bit of our business, to be honest with you. It pays for a lot of the extras. It, it is a, a revenue source and a really valuable one. Um, we actually put that money into a pot and we use that towards our tech budget. So last year we managed to upgrade one of our projectors based on our uh, returns. So, do you pay much attention to the ads on screen? I watch them all. Do you? Yeah, yeah. To me, advertising is a really, um, it's part of the experience. That and then going into trailers and then there's always that kind of, it's not too late to get a drink moment. And then you see the kind of the BBFC card come in. It's part of the pre-show experience for us. Before we did ads, we had a huge problem of latecomers. So actually, and we didn't. We never really had a fully integrated kind of pre-show offering, whereas actually now we're finding people are coming earlier, sitting down, taking a drink in with them, and um, it was great during kind of all the um, rules and regulations of COVID because it was yep you can go straight into the screen, the air conditioning's on in there, the ventilation systems are on in there, sit and have a drink, it's really safe, and people really they notice it, they value it. It's obviously going very well. You recently received a British Empire medal for your work with the cinema. Can you tell us a bit about that and what did that involve? Well, it's a total surprise, to be honest with you. Um, you, you don't know anything about it. So did you just get a letter on fancy-headed paper? What made it worse was uh, I was actually at a charity boxing match watching one of my mates get his head absolutely kicked in. And my mum rang me and said, there's a letter here. It looks really official. 
I won't open it. So I went home, opened it, but honestly, the letter is like, this is top secret. We ask that you don't tell anyone. Um, you find out in advance of the kind of the honours day itself. So mine was for Her Majesty's Platinum Jubilee. It was awarded by our Lord Lieutenant uh, for Tyne and Weir in January. And I was very fortunate. I went down to the Royal Garden Party and was able to meet the King as well. So that was... Uh, so that was last week, wasn't it? Yeah, a fairly magical couple of days, to be honest with you, yeah. So you actually met King Charles? Handshake and everything. Wow. Was your mum with you? Absolutely beside herself. Um, to be fair, they like line you up into lanes and then the guy was like, yeah, so the king's going to come down this lane. So I said to my mum, whatever happens, you do not let the short, the weak, the old, we are in front row, we've stood here for 40 minutes, then you're not guaranteed to meet the king, but obviously you're in the front. You should have seen her. She was like a human barricade, stopping anyone, elbows sharpened. It was fabulous. <laughs> so do you get to watch many films? I do. Um, I've got to say I am... Um, I'm only 34, but I'm 12 years into this industry now, and I'm starting to become increasingly cynical. And to be honest with you, I've started to think of film in the same way that I do a shopkeeper with toilet paper. It's about what pays the bills. It's about what pays my staff. It's about what does good things for the town. And I'm trying really hard to find ways to find the magic again. And I've got to say, this summer slate, I'm really excited for um, and I haven't been like that in probably about five years. That's exciting. What particularly excites you? Uh, oh, it, it's that end of uh, June window. I've got to say, I'm really excited for Indiana Jones. Look, I, think I think it looks good. It's going to be the biggest film of the year. And wasn't that shot up in Northumberland as well? And at Castle, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm hoping that gets a bit of linkage in with it. Alongside that, we um, I'm really excited for the what's going to be the bonanza of Barbie meets Oppenheimer. I'm even excited for Meg 2 and the trailer for that just dropped. And yeah. do you know, I think it's going to be a really... There was that big gap last year, which I thought hurt every cinema. From August to October. Yeah. Whereas now there's something right the way through. I'm pretty much to the end of the year as well. Um, I'm looking forward to going to Cine Europe and seeing what kind of things are there. Obviously, we saw kind of a few tidbits at um, CinemaCon. I think it's going to be a really strong slate and I'm kind of looking forward to it. It feels like we're getting the good stuff again and this silly argument of, oh, is it going to streaming? Is it day and date? What's the window? That's all kind of subsided for me. And it's about a really good theatrical experience. I'm really looking forward to it. So was there anything out of CinemaCon that particularly excited you? Um, I've got to say, yeah, do you know, do you know what? Um, I'm, I've got to say I'm excited for Fast and the Furious <laughs> as well. Um, there's been 10 of them. Um, I'm kind of, I've watched every single one of them, so I'm a full set kind of guy. I'm looking forward to that. In terms of kind of other new things that are coming, not especially, I just thought, do you know what? This is a really solid slate. And you're starting to get, I'm starting to get a bit excited for other things that are coming as well into kind of 2024. So 2024 is looking good as well. So in terms of Barbie, you mentioned Barbie. Will that play at your cinema? Yes. Um, one of our biggest audiences that we have is mums. And mums who like to come and drink. And they leave their husbands at home and they probably drink too much, if I'm honest with you. And I think that's the crowd that we're getting in for Barbie. Yeah, I think that's fair. So you said you think Indiana Jones is going to be the biggest film of the year? I think so, yeah. I, I can't see anything bigger than it. Um, bigger than Mario? Yeah, I, I think we're talking kind of 1.2 or 1.4 bill on it. 
Okay, wow. Because because I think it looks good, but it is it's a bit of an unknown quantity because I think people didn't warm to the last one. Crystal skull. Yeah, that's the yeah, only yeah. problem. That, that was a very polite way of saying it, Tom. Yeah. The last one was poor. Um, I just think it's got to be good. They're releasing it what six weeks premieres what can six five six weeks before. Yeah, premieres it can next week. Yeah. And at that point, you're like, they're playing it at Sydney Europe as well. That's always a good sign. They've got confidence in this as a product. Um, it's just whether people are going to be tired of it. But I've got to say, original content, obviously built on one of the most successful franchises of all time. But I think what we've really lacked in recent years is original storytelling. So a brand new story. It'll be really interesting. I think it's a, that is, for me, a proper four-quadrant movie. And I think it's going to absolutely destroy the box office this summer. Yeah, I'm very excited to see it. And I, the previous three, we won't say four, the previous three are still on st- streaming. And I tend to watch them every six months, I think. Particularly Raiders of the Lost Ark. I put it on at least once a year. Last Crusade's my favourite film. Yeah, ever. Ever. So my favourite film rule is if you sat down on the sofa, ITV's on, and what's on? Oh, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then all of a sudden, it's three hours later, and um, something like Antiques Roadshow's on, and you're like, how's it eight o'clock already? I didn't realise this film was this long. Oh, it's the number of ads that I've had to watch. All of a sudden, you start going, um, wow, yeah, my favourite ever film. I just lose myself in that time and time again. Yeah, it's a great film. So what's next for... Dan Ellis and Jam Jail Cinema. Um, holiday, that'll be nice. Where are you going? Uh, just over to Spain for a few, uh, kind of a few days. That'll Is be that nice. in and around still in Europe or separate to that? Um, separate to that, but actually I'm going back. My mum's got a place over there, so I always have a week after Cine Europe as well. Okay, well, it's thanks for there. joining me, Dan. Yeah, no worries, Tom. Absolute pleasure. I'll be back next month where we'll be talking about the DCM Awards, which are launching and we'll also be doing a Cine Europe special, maybe not next month, maybe the week after. But thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.